Let's pray. I mean, Father God, um, we do praise you. God, we praise you uh, for who you are as creator, as sustainer, as redeemer. And God, we praise you for what you've done because you have created, because you do sustain. And God, because you have redeemed. So Lord God, as we spend some time uh, this morning together uh, as a gathered body to encourage one another, encourage us through your word. Lord, if there's parts of our lives that need a little challenging today, Holy Spirit, we invite you to do that work in our hearts. And as you do that work, would you also soften our hearts to receive your challenge today? God, if there's parts of our lives that we are, and we're feeling the, the beat down of, of life and, and the enemy's been doing his, his work in our hearts and Lord, we need to be encouraged. Holy Spirit, would you please speak to our hearts to encourage us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. So I realized, uh, just a little quick side note, uh, I had the privilege of, of coaching basketball. Uh, and I get, it was a lot of fun. I, I get to do that. And apparently I've been yelling at the girls too much. Because... I can get real though now. So bear with me. I'm hoping it all holds together here for me today, but I kind of woke up going, man, we may need to do a little yes, less uh, yelling. And then I went, no, nah, that's silly. Of course I'm going to keep yelling. That's what I do. So, hey, uh, we're glad you're here worshiping with us this morning. We use our, our January to, to think about and to process again as we, as we reset uh, a year. So for you guys as, uh, as in your life, Maybe January is that opportunity to kind of click the reset for yourself and say, this is a new year. What are the things that I want to focus on? What are the things that need changing uh, in, in your life or, or in the life of those in your home? And so this, this vision month, this idea of processing together uh, the life and message of Jesus transforming a heart, a home, a city, uh, can be used as, as an individual and in your own life to help you maybe reset a few things. But it also works for us as a church, kind of a mid-year checkup. So January for us really isn't like the beginning of a new year for us as a church because so much of our, our ministry revolves around the school year. It's like that midpoint for us. So it gives us an opportunity to kind of hit that reset halfway through the year. Right, so we're halfway through, and we're again processing together. What is it that uh, that God is calling us to as a congregation? And so our vision uh, as a, as a congregation uh, is is to see God's work, the gospel message, transform an individual individual person, their their heart, their life. And when that happens, we begin to see a home that's transformed. It's just a natural outpouring because as the individuals within a home are transformed, so is the home. And as a home is transformed, we start seeing parts of our city being transformed. Your neighborhood looks different because as a home, you're interacting with neighbors different. As, as a home, you're interacting with coworkers different and, and, and people within your circles of school or within your circles of friends and, and you see things begin to transform there and so our desire is to see the heart, the home, the city, and the nations transformed by the life and message of Jesus. 
And so today specifically, I want to take some time and pause and process what it looks like or maybe how we get to the point of seeing a home transformed by the life and message of Jesus. So before we do that, maybe a quick definition would be, would be in order here. What do we mean by home? So for each of us, a home is going is to look a little bit different and feel a little bit different. So for some, it's very literally the people that live inside the four walls of your house. That makes up your home. Uh, maybe it's, it's the children that are living there. It's the spouse. It's, it's the people who live inside the four walls of the house. But your home is, is, can be bigger than that. It can also be uh, an understanding to, to see those family, those, those loved ones that are in your family that don't live in your house anymore. For many of us in this room, they, they've moved on into, uh, into their own house and they have their own four walls. They've got their own families, but they're still very much a part of your home. And so as we talk about uh, specifically prayer today and, we, and the life and message of Jesus transforming a home, we mean them. We mean your interactions and your life with, with those family members that are no longer living in the four walls of your house. And still, for some, we can understand the, the idea of a home being those that, are, that we spend our life with. It's the friends that we have. It's the ones that we go out to eat with and we go to concerts and events with. Well, we used to go to concerts and events with, and hope to again someday, right? So those are the people. You begin to think about your, your home as those that are in that sphere of influence. And so what does it look like, or how do we find the life and message of Jesus transforming the home? That's what we're going to look at today. So uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 2 today. And we're going to look at the first seven verses of that chapter. And what we have is we have... We have Paul writing a letter to Pastor Timothy. Now, specifically in this text, what, what, uh, what Paul is doing is telling Timothy how to put together one of these things. How do you do worship together? How do you do this gathered thing? But as he's giving Timothy the instructions on gathered worship, there are things that we can pull from this that will help us understand how we also gather and live in a home. Okay, so that's what we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 2, looking at the first seven verses. So here we go. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has been witnessed to in the proper time, and for this purpose I am appointed a herald and apostle, telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. I urge you then, first of all, First things first. Who's used that phrase? Anybody? Who's said that phrase? Anybody use that? Anybody heard that? That's a phrase that, that we use in our culture to help us identify the most important thing. You got to keep the first things first. Well, what are you trying to say by that? Well, what we're, what we're saying is you need to identify the most important thing. And when you identify the most important thing, 
remember to keep that as the most important thing. As if to say that if you don't get that most important thing right, if you don't get that thing right, nothing else matters. Or maybe a little less extreme, if you don't get that right, everything else is going to be more difficult. So first things first. And that's how Paul starts us off today. He says, first, I urge you then, first of all, pray. I urge you, petitions and prayers and thanksgiving and intercessions, but pray. As Timothy is, is, is receiving this letter, it's as if Paul is saying to, to him, this is the most important. Get this right. This is where it begins. First things first. So why? Why would, would Paul look at Timothy and say, this is the most important. This is where it begins. He gives us a little bit of a clue in verse 3. Okay, so he helps us understand this idea of prayer, petitions, Thanksgiving intercession, this idea of praying. He gives us a little bit of a clue in verse 3 when he says that this is good and pleasing to God our Savior. This is good. It's the right thing. See, prayer is a, is a natural response for a heart that has been transformed by the life and message of Jesus, by the gospel. As a heart has been transformed, they become part of a family. And in prayer, we're, we talk to our father, we talk to dad. What is it like to be a part of this family? What is it like to, to be here? What does dad expect of me? How do I bring my concerns and my uh, worries to, to my dad to have him help me with them and give me some help in these areas? It's a natural response of the Christian heart. Prayer is not one of those things that's reserved for like the Christian elite, right? So like once you've been Christian long enough and you've learned enough of the right words, then you're allowed to begin to pray. Prayer is there from the beginning and it's a good, it is a right response to a heart that's been transformed. And so when you look throughout the New Testament and you look at the writers of the New Testament, prayer is never something that's suggested. It's just always assumed. You're, you're going to be praying. So there's some instructions on how to do that, but it's always been assumed. And even Jesus, when, when, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, which we'll get into the Lord's Prayer uh, in a few weeks here and really spend the month, the season of Lent in the idea of prayer, but even when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he said, when you pray, not a if you pray, or if you have the time to, when you pray. So we read in, in Ephesians chapter 6 that we are to pray on all occasions. Philippians chapter 4, that we should pray in every situation. First Thessalonians, pray continually. Prayer is the right response. It's a good response for a heart that's been transformed by the gospel. So it's first things first, but it's right and it's also pleasing. Just stop for a second. Just think that one through for a second. The creator of all creation, 
the one who holds it all together, is pleased to hear from you, desiring to hear from you. There's, a, there's an image given for us in Hebrews chapter 4, which I just, I love this image. I've taught on it a lot. It's one I'm going to go back to probably for my entire life because I love the imagery of this throne room and God sitting on the throne and us being invited into the throne room to approach that throne And as you approach that throne to receive grace and to receive mercy for the time of need that you have. But as we approach that throne, we approach the throne as a child of the one who's on the throne. We don't approach with this fear and trembling of I don't know how I'm going to be received and at any moment I could be cast aside by the one on the throne. I get to come to the throne and go, Dad, Dad, got, got a question for you. Dad, I have something I need to talk to you about. Prayer is good and pleasing to God our Savior. Prayer also helps us with our, with our focus. It really helps us with the focus. Like, I don't know how many of you guys know this about me, but uh, I, wear, uh, I wear corrective lenses. I have contacts in right now. I, I used to wear glasses from time to time, and then I put a piece of fabric over my mouth and said, I can't handle the fogging. Of the... Bless you for those of you who do that. And you should receive an extra prize for that one. Like, so I just, I'm straight up contacts now. But when I don't have those in, yeah, I can't see any of you. You're one big blur. Now, if I really strain and I really focus, I can make out some shapes and I can kind of figure out, that's a person. I think that's a person. I'm not sure. Like, it is all a big blur. It's all fuzzy for me. Whenever I look beyond this and I look out, it's all fuzzy. I don't know what you see when you look at your world the world that's around you, but specifically when you look beyond this in life and you look out in life. I see fuzzy decisions. I see a fuzzy culture. I see a fuzzy future. And when I focus on those things and when I am trying to figure that out and when I am straining and I am working to try to begin to see the details of those and try to put it all together and figure out every little part of what's out there, I strain and I work and I can never do it. But here's what happens when we pray. When we are praying and we are bringing those concerns and those needs, those things that are fuzzy to us, when we bring those to God... We are allowing the one who can and does know the future, can and does know the culture, knows every decision and knows every result of every decision. We are turning those fuzzy things over to the one who doesn't see them fuzzy at all. And it refocuses us to say that is what God is in charge of. And I walk step by step. And so we continually lift our eyes up and off the things that are in front of us.
And this is for me and for my home. So as you pray for your home, they begin to do the same thing. As you pray with your home, they begin to do the same thing, lifting their eyes, looking out, and trusting the one who doesn't see things fuzzy. So Paul says to Timothy, first things first. I urge you then, first of all, pray. So what do we pray for? Like, how do, how do we go about uh, praying and, and finding the topics for our prayer and knowing what we're supposed to bring? And how do we, how do, we do this within our home? Paul would remind us in Philippians 4 that, that God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That he'll meet all of your needs. So those would be physical needs that we have. They'd be spiritual needs that we have. So we bring our physical needs, the things that are pressing upon our life. I'm willing to bet for most of us, we don't need a lot of help coming up with this list. We're usually pretty good at this one. To find the physical needs that are surrounding in our, in our own homes, right? So it's usually going to revolve around health. It's going to revolve around protection. It's going to revolve around success. It's going to revolve around wisdom. Usually in those categories, we know how to create that list. And we're, most of us are good at, at bringing that list because it's the presenting physical need that's in front of us and we bring it. Is that okay to do? Like if, if I need help or if my kid needs help or my friend is gonna need some help, is it okay to pray for those things? Well, my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches that he has in Christ Jesus. Like all of your needs. So when we have a need and it's presented in front of us and we're seeing it there, we bring it to God. No matter what it is, we bring it. And here's the thing. God in his goodness, he knows how to figure out what's a want and what's a need. I'm not that good at that. My need column is usually a little bit bigger than my want column. And I'm sure God would take many of the things that are in my need column and kind of shift them over to my want column. But I bring them. I'm going to bring those needs, and as I do, God and his goodness will determine what are the needs. And as we bring them, remember, God's pleased to hear from you. So when you bring those needs, he's not going, oh, you got to be kidding me. Not you again. With that little thing, don't you know I have a world to run, and you're going to bother me with that? He is pleased it is pleasing to God our Savior to hear from his children. So we bring our needs. But only praying and bringing our physical needs falls short. So as we pray for those in our home, we bring the physical needs, but we need to bring the spiritual needs as well. Paul gives us a beautiful look into, uh, into the uh, heart of God. So if you, if you jump down with me to, to verse 4, it ends in verse 3 and goes into verse 4. He says this, that it is good and pleasing to God our Savior who wants all people to be saved. 
I don't know what your view is of God. I don't know how you uh, arrived at the specific view that you have of God and, and how he interacts. For some of us, we, we, may, we, may, see God as, we may see God as one who, who created everything and then kind of just took a giant step back and just letting it go, which means his interaction with us just really isn't all that much. Like, we can pray, and I don't know if he hears us or not, because he's really removed. You may have a view of, of God that he is highly judgmental. So that throne that I described, he's up there casting down condemnations and throwing lightning bolts. There are many that have that view of God. That may be you. If you have that view of God, that's not the God of the scriptures. That's not the God who has revealed himself to us in the scriptures. So when we go to the scriptures, we find the heart of God and Paul gives it to us that God, our savior wants all to be saved. This isn't a new Testament idea as if, see, here's the old, in the old Testament, God was harsh and judgmental. But then when Jesus came on, he had a heart transplant. And now he's really soft and tender. Adding, that's not how this works. Like God is God from the beginning to the end. And this heart is the heart that God has had from the beginning to the end. In the Old Testament, we see God disciplining his people because his people have completely turned their backs on him, have walked the other way, are worshiping other gods. And so in his love and compassion, he disciplines them to pull them back in again. But he doesn't have a new heart in the New Testament. In fact, listen to this verse and tell me if this verse does not line up with the description that we hear right here of God wanting all people to be saved. Ezekiel, right? So we're going to go right back into the Old Testament. We're going right into Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. Listen to this. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn Turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? That's the heart of God in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in our world today. So we pray for not only the physical things that come up in our life, but we pray for the spiritual things. We pray for the salvation of people that are in our home. And as we pray for them, we pray that God will soften their hearts because their hearts have been hardened to God. And we pray and we pray and we pray. And as we pray, we know the heart of God towards that one we love. We know the heart of God towards those in our home, that he wants them to be saved. And we pray that they would have a softened heart. So we pray for the salvation and we pray for the spiritual growth of those in our home. Because that verse continues on to say that not only that it is good and pleasing to God, our Savior, who wants all to be saved, but also to come to the knowledge of him. Grow in their knowledge, know him more and more, have a depth of understanding. So we pray for spiritual growth of those in our home. I want to share with you um, a prayer that I have prayed for my kids for uh, 14, almost 15 years. I can remember becoming a father and holding uh, my child who I didn't know hours before and how I now deeply, deeply love. 
And in that moment, trying to figure out how, how, do you, how do I pray for this child? How do I pray not only for the physical needs of this kid? I mean, I have a new baby. I would like the baby to be healthy. I'd like to be able to go through life with health and protection for my child. But in that moment, I also knew deep within me, I want this child to know Jesus. So all four of my kids have received the same prayer from the moment of their birth. And my prayer has been simply this, that they would have ears to hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit and a heart to respond to his calling. And here's why I prayed that prayer. Because I figured it was a really good blanket one. Right? Because I can't be there for every situation. I can't be there for every circumstance. I can't be there to offer wisdom and to give guidance and to tell my kids how to respond to the circumstances. But I know one who is. I know one who is always walking alongside my child. And I know one who is always guiding my child, whispering into their ear, And if they could have ears to hear that whisper and a heart to know how to respond to that whisper, probably covers most situations here, right? We're going to be be in a spot where that child is going to be growing in an understanding, not only how to navigate the day-to-day, but a growing in an understanding of who their Heavenly Father is. So we pray for our children. We pray for our friends. We pray for our loved ones that are in our home for the physical needs that they have, but we also pray for the spiritual needs, for salvation and for growth for them. So we pray. All right, I'm going to give you some homework. Can I give you some homework? doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not going to ask you. Anybody ever have a teacher that says, is it okay if I give you homework? Anybody have a teacher that did that? I don't know very many that did. So here's the deal. I'm giving you homework. All right, there's two parts to this. Part number one. If you are someone whose heart has been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, your heart has been transformed because someone has prayed for you. Someone has been interceding to God, your Savior, that you would come to know Him and grow in him. Somebody has prayed for you. So here's your homework. Before this day is done, reach out to that person. You all have a name in mind already. I'm going to bet every one of us, we've already got a name. Say thank you. Like, send a text message. Shoot an email. Send a courier pigeon. I don't care. Just say thank you. A phone call is best, by the way. Thank them for praying for you. And then ask them to keep praying. Because you need it. I need it. We we always are going to need that prayer. Ask them to keep praying. But say thank you. Second piece of homework. 
Pray. Pray. Pray for your home. Pray for those that are in your home. Pray for their physical needs. Pray for their spiritual needs. Intercede on their behalf when they don't even know what to pray for. Pray. And if you don't know what to pray, say that. I don't even know what to pray. Here's the beautiful thing that we're told, is that even in the moments where we don't even know how to pray, the Spirit will pray for us. As we do this, you can't screw this up, by the way. Right? You can't say, well, I prayed it wrong, therefore the decision went... You can't screw this thing up. You just pray the words that you have, the understanding that you have, and as you're growing in that understanding, your prayers will continue to change. But you start where you are today, and you pray today. Pray for your home. And pray with your home. Pray with those in your home. If you've got kids in your home, you've got a great opportunity, a beautiful opportunity, if they're within the walls of your house, to pray with your home. So you find the regular times for prayer, whether that be at a meal, whether that be at bedtime. If you bring your kids to school, turn the radio off two blocks early and pray for them before you drop them off. You pray with your home. You find those incredible special occasions and you pray. If they present a need, you pray for it. If they have a heart concern, you pray for it. And as you're praying with your home, at some point what you're going to do is you are going to come back to them and you're going to ask them to pray. And you know what they're going to say? No. And you say, that's all right. And then you keep praying with them. And then you tell them, by the end of this week, I'm going to have you pray, so start preparing yourself. And you let them pray in the words that they have, in the heart that they have. You let them pray, and you continue to pray with, and you model a prayer life that they may grow into. And as you are doing that, their eyes lift. Their heart changes. They see their heavenly Father. You pray with. Maybe you don't have someone in your home. Maybe you're not, you're not, the home isn't those that are in the four walls of your house. It's going to be people that are outside of your house. They're people that are friends that you may not live with. This one goes for all of us. I learned this from a dear pastor friend of mine who I spent many years with. How many of you guys have ever said, I will pray for you? Anybody ever uttered those words to somebody? Be proud. Hands in the air right now, okay? I'll pray for you. Okay, then how many of you promptly forgot and never prayed for them? I'm not the only one I know it, right? Unless it was your prayer request, and I promise I prayed for it. So, right, but what we're doing here is like, you, you say, I'm going to pray for you, and then you don't because life gets busy. So here's what you do. Pray right then and there with them. It doesn't need to be a big, huge, marvelous, like, show-stopping prayer. You are just praying for the need that they presented at that moment. So rather than saying, I'll remember to pray for you on that. Say, can I pray for you right now on that? Pray with those that are in your home. Pray for those that are in your home. I urge you then, first of all, pray. So let's pray. Heavenly Father God, 
What a privilege it is to enter into that throne room, to come in to that place where you as the creator and the sustainer and the all-powerful and the all-knowing are seated on the throne. And as we come in, we come in, God, as your child. And you invite us in. You're pleased to see us and to hear from us. Lord, it's a privilege. Holy Spirit, I, I ask that you would stir in each of us a desire to pray more for those that are in our home. God, for some of us, we've never prayed for those in our home. So Holy Spirit, help us to take the first step and to pray that first prayer. God, for some of us, we've prayed the prayers for our home every once in a while. Holy Spirit, would you guide us into a regular time of prayer. Lord, I know that also those that we've, we've prayed for those in our home, but we haven't prayed with them. We haven't modeled it. They haven't seen us doing it. They haven't joined in that moment of prayer. Holy Spirit, give us the courage to step in and say, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, wherever we are, I know that you can move us deeper into a prayer life. So Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear the whisper that you're placing onto our hearts right now. And would you give us a heart to respond to the whisper? For it's in the name of Jesus, the mediator who made a way that we pray.